Let's be standing for this wonderful verse, Galatians 4.4. 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are God's child, God has also made you an heir. Let's pray. Lord in heaven, we humble ourselves before you today as we acknowledge your divine word and the leading of your spirits. We pray, Lord, that we might hear anew this message of your perfect timing and your wonderful word. To those ends, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Having the right timing is important. If you're a singer, you've got to know when to come in. It's hard to have timing as a musician, I understand, without a drummer, because timing is crucial. You know that as well as I know that. You've got to have the best timing in terms of when to buy, when to sell, even when to leave your house. You could leave your house to go downtown Atlanta at one time and make it in 45 minutes. And another time, you could make it in two and a half hours. Because timing is everything. And just because you know what you want in life doesn't mean you don't have to follow the same policy of right timing. I knew that I wanted to marry Gail, but I didn't just say, hey, let's get married. I planned a proposal. I laid the foundation because I needed to be confident she was going to say yes. But once I knew she was going to say yes, there still had to be plans made for just the right timing so that it would be an unforgettable experience. In my case, I snuck to Pennsylvania by taking the train out of Chicago, and I showed up at church, the church where she was the song leader. She happened to be singing a solo on that day. I showed up to the church unbeknownst, unbeknown to her with flowers. And in this church, they have an announcement time at the beginning of the worship service. So the preacher was going through the announcements. He said, are there any other announcements? And I came in from the back with flowers and I've got an announcement and I walked up to the choir loft and there she was and I got on my knee and proposed and she said yes and then she had that solo later on and they said she looked like Stevie Wonder as she was singing <laughs> I think I did good because timing is timing is important in everything in life timing is important but why is it that when we think of God we think that everything is just left to chance as if God has wound up some clock that we are all a part of, and he just stands back and says, man, I just hope it works out for them. 
Why is it that we know perfect timing? We know how to come in right. We know when to leave. We know all those things. But when it comes to God, we're like, he doesn't know what he's doing. People run around scared. I don't want to die. What if I die? The Bible says that not even a sparrow falls to the earth without God knowing. The Bible says he knows the numbers of hairs on your head. When a hair dies, he knows it. God's timing is perfect in the short term and in the long term. There's a story from Joshua 10 about a battle that the Israelites were attacking their enemies. And it says there that God held up the, the sun or prevented the moon or however it goes to keep daylight so that the Israelites could completely defeat their opponent. He made a day longer because he recognizes the importance of timing in that battle. You know from the Gospel of Matthew that Matthew chapter 1 starts with a genealogy that points out that Jesus was born out of the lineage of David 14 generations. God could not only lengthen a day, but he planned the birth of his son 14 generations out because God's timing is perfect. We know what good timing is. We know what bad timing is. I want to tell you that God is the one that created timing. That's one of the things that you need to know. God's the one that invented chronology. He's the one that invented or created the sun and the moon and the stars and the seasons. See, before there was the sun and the moon and the stars and the seasons, there was God and there was no time. He's the one that created time. God doesn't look at himself in the mirror. Man, I'm looking a little old, a bit hard on me. That's not how God is. He stands outside of time. He stands outside of chronology. And maybe that's why when you look at Revelation and you see heaven, you see the saints around the throne saying, how long, O oh Lord, before you, you return? It's like everything is happening in heaven, even though chronologically speaking, it should not have happened yet. Prophecy, but also outside of time. He created time. And his timing is perfect. The reason I want to tell you that is when you look at this passage in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, you see this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. God sent his son at just the perfect time. At just the perfect time. People have asked, well, why, why is that the perfect time? Why, why not 2022? Why AD zero? Or why this time? And people have tried to understand it by maybe the generations. But I think we don't know everything that goes into it all, but we know that God's timing is perfect. And so he sent his son. The greatest if not the greatest, one of the greatest gifts of all. 
See, before God communicated through prophets, or he communicated through a burning bush, or he communicated through a cloud, or he communicated through written tablets, stone tablets, or even through scrolls. He communicated in all kinds of ways. But now, in this incredible gift, he communicated through a person, a real living person. Gift of a child, the gift of an adult to show us how to live life. What a wonderful gift Jesus is. Well, God doesn't stand off back and turn the clock and wait for the time to run out, but instead he, he manipulates and maneuvers time and he puts his son at just the right time. And you know, Jesus lived 33 years before he was crucified. 33 years. Why? Why that long? Now people have sought to understand it, but let's just say it's a perfect amount of time. His death was at the perfect time. Now, the reason I'm saying these things is because here we are today meeting together in worship. I don't know what brought you here. Maybe you're, it's a habit or maybe you've come with expectation or maybe you've come for the choir or maybe you've come for all kinds of things. But whatever you think brought you here, I think that it's much bigger than you know is going on. I think God has called you here. And maybe there's something that's happened in today's service or in this message that you need to hear, that God's timing is absolutely perfect in this message or in something that you've already experienced. Maybe communion today was perfect timing. Oh, you needed to celebrate the Lord's Supper. You need to remember his sacrifice for you, his death. Maybe you need to hear scripture read like that. Wasn't that wonderful? Maybe you needed to sing those songs again. Well, a couple of things that I want to tell you about God's timing. It's beautiful and it's wonderful, but we're not going to understand God's timing. We're just not going to understand it. I've heard people say, I don't understand. I don't understand why God let this happen. I don't understand what God's doing. Why would God allow this? And there is no easy answer. Some people try. They say, oh, of course he allowed that because that, as if they're God. And there might be some truth to that observation. I, we could all look back on things that have happened and we said, you know what? I'm glad that happened because I learned these things. But maybe not everything is like that. You know why? Because of God's patience. God desires that all people be saved. You know what that means? That means not only good people. God desires all people to be saved, which includes bad people. And he is patient in hopes that those bad people will return to him. And when you leave bad people around, Bad people are going to do bad things. That's the consequence of sin. That's why in heaven the saints around the throne say, Oh, Lord, how long before you return? How long, oh, Lord? Because they know firsthand. They're martyred saints, and they see what's going on in earth. That great throne of witnesses, maybe they witness these terrible things that are going on, and they're calling out to God, How long? How long? 
They don't know God's timing, and they're in heaven. So I approach people with a little bit of skepticism who have it all mapped out, who know what's going to happen when. That was the fallacy of the Seventh-day Adventists. Early on in their history, they knew exactly when Jesus Christ was going to return. They had it down to a day, and they were devastated to discover he did not return. Now, they've navigated from that. But I get, I get a little nervous around somebody that knows it all when the people in heaven don't seem like they know it all. And they're there. We're just not going to understand God's perfect timing. So, if you're trying to figure it out, I want to say good luck, but keep trying because as we try to discern the times, as we wait expectantly for the return of God, as we see these things happening, it strengthens our faith and it inspires us to action, to witnessing. You know, the person that says, I can't wait to go to heaven, might not have somebody alive who really needs the Lord. Because when you start having close, meaningful relationships with somebody that you pray will find the Lord before they die, you're not so cavalier in wanting God to return right away. You know what I'm saying? It's a quandary, God's perfect timing. And just like the gift of Jesus, I think there's a whole lot that goes into it that we'll never know, we'll never see. While we don't know God's timing, we can appreciate it, though. Solomon writes, to everything there's a season, right? A time to sow, a time to reap. To everything there is a time. And so, while we don't understand what's going on in the large scheme of things, we can appreciate now. In fact, on Judgment Day, there's a key question that seems to be asked, and that is, um, when did you feed me when I was hungry? When did you clothe me when I was naked? When did you visit me when I was in jail? And the people say, when, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you sick? And he replies, as long as what you've seen with the least of these you've done for me. So what you've done for the least of these you've done for me. In other words, we're going to be graded or evaluated or judged based on how we live here and now. So while I don't know the big picture, I do know that we can appreciate today. That's an important question to ask. You ask yourself today, what's God doing in this situation? You got a difficult coworker, drives you crazy. You ask yourself, instead of making it to be about that coworker, you ask yourself, what is, what, what's God doing here in this situation? You've got a rebellious child. Maybe it's not about that rebellious child. You ask yourself, what is God doing in this situation? You go through a health, a health struggle. What is God doing in this situation? You ask yourself so that you can better appreciate this time, this day. That is sort of the Lord's prayer, isn't it? There's the thy kingdom come. That's the, the large prayer about the return of God that we don't fully understand God's timing. And so we pray that his kingdom will come. We, we pray that he'll return. 
and that is kind of mellowed or neutralized or, or amplified, maybe, I guess would be. That's amplified by the prayer, give us this day, our daily bread. You, you see the, 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 the larger God's perfect timing with the smaller today's daily bread. So we don't know the big picture, but we can appreciate the little picture in our lives. And some of us have a whole lot more opportunity than others. I don't know if I told you this story of the Bible study, but I was visiting in Christian City, and this guy was confined to his bed, and he was a really nice, you know, pleasant guy. And I was talking to him and wanted to pray with him. And um, he said, I don't know, I don't know why God has put me here. I can't, I can't serve God from this bed. I can't do what I want to do while I'm stuck here in bed. And you're not really supposed to give somebody an answer. You know, you're supposed to let them work through it. But I said, well, maybe you can appreciate the caregivers, the people that bring you food or the people that help you. Maybe you can make their day. You can smile and bless them. Oh, yeah, well, I, I can do that. I can do that. Yeah, well, you can do that. You can do that. And this guy was immobilized in the bed. Not to leave Christian City again. That's, this is going to be his home. This is going to be his place. How much more opportunity you and I have just being here. Isn't that incredible? We can appreciate today. The third thing is, while we can appreciate our time, we can also try to pray for God's timing in our life. I found this, I don't know if I believe it, but Bruce Lee said, do not pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to endure a difficult one. You know, we can pray amidst whatever's going on that God would intervene, that God would make us strong, that God would give us perspective. We certainly pray for God's timing and, and all these things. Because we know that God doesn't sit back and wind the clock and just hope it works out. God actually intercedes. He hears like a loving father. And he blesses and he changes and he moves. And in one case, he lengthened a day. Maybe that's not going to happen, but maybe he's going to change hearts. Maybe he's going to restrain somebody from hurting themselves or hurting others. Or maybe he will cause that person who's eating what pigs eat to wake and come to their senses and say, I'm going to return to my father's home. God does all these things. That's how great God is. He works in time. So while we can't understand the big picture, we can appreciate today and we can pray into the future that God's will is done. Well, I just want to stop right there. That was the message I plan to give. I thought, you know what? Maybe we'll, we'll have a little bit of stop and go feedback here. How'd I do? You feel like, feel like you're going to get in the car, you're going to be thinking about timing and God's timing. That maybe you'll think about the Bruce Lee quote. Maybe, maybe you'll think about um, something that I said. Maybe how I proposed to Gail. I don't know. Well, what I want to tell you is. This message I developed 
from God's word. I'm not so arrogant to say that it's straight from God's word. I was the interpreter of it, but I used the Bible to help to hone this message. And hopefully the message actually came from the Bible that I'm delivering to you. And that, if you don't think, remember anything else I said in today's sermon, that's the lesson I want you to get. That's how the Bible works. When you, when you consult the Bible, when you use the Bible, it opens doors. It, it changes your thinking. It changes things because God's word is alive and active. It's not just a book that we consult like a dictionary, but it actually does something. It moves. So if you're not into God's word, you're really missing out on the very thing that creates and causes, inspires and corrects inspiration. It's a guide. <clears throat> I found this analogy from a Contemplating Christ book that I'm reading. And it's the importance of God's word and it goes like this. Have you ever made a puzzle? Have you ever made a, I'm talking about a hard puzzle, not Jonathan, not the little six piece puzzle, like a hard puzzle. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Most of you will find the corner pieces first, right? Isn't that, isn't that how it goes? Find the corner piece. Then you find the, the flat edges. Am I right? But the key to puzzle making, and I'm not a big puzzle guy, but the key to puzzle making is the picture on the box. Am I right on that? Because if you... I'm not talking about the six-piece puzzle. You got this one, you're like, I have no idea. If you don't have the picture, it's going to be very frustrating. It's going to be very frustrating. The picture is the key. That's what I want to tell you. Oh, if you don't hear anything else I'm saying, hear this. The Bible is the picture. The Bible tells us about who God is and what God's doing and what God wants for your life and how God has interceded and how God has sent his son and how God provides forgiveness and how there's hope through God. That's the picture. And then you and I are the little puzzle and we're praying and, and we get in a car wreck or we get this, this and, and these are little puzzle pieces. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? And some people, they hang on to it. They force it in there. They're angry at that piece. I want to tell you, look at the Bible. That's the picture. And then you start to know how that assimilates into your life. And you say, you know what? I hate this piece, but that's just, that's just part of the clouds. That's just part. I can't wait till I get to that part with a candle. I'm, that's going to be really good. Don't take the piece of life seriously. It's a piece, but God sees the whole. And rest assured, God's timing is perfect. We just got to get on board with it. And I want to tell you, get into God's word, and then life is going to start to make sense. We're doing a challenge next year called Core 52. If you would like one of those textbooks, let me know, and we're going to walk through the Bible. You know, there's 52 weeks a year. We're going to walk through the Bible one chapter a week, and that's going to be our guide for our midweek Bible study. So see me, but maybe you read the Bible each year. Maybe you want to do Core 52. Maybe you have something else that works, but get into the Bible. Otherwise, you're walking around with puzzle pieces. I wouldn't wish that on my enemy. 
Let's pray.